Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get started, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. Come on, man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod brought to you by Sideline Sports. I'm your host, Khaled Abdallah, with my co-host, Osama Dahoud, and we have a special guest today, Mohsen, the Muslim boxer, Kaysen. Uh, Mohsen is a cruiserweight boxer out of Philadelphia who made his pro debut in 2018 and has racked up a 10-0 record with four TKOs and three knockouts. Uh, Mohsen is also quickly becoming a social media star with 40,000 followers on Instagram and almost 200,000 followers on TikTok. You can find him on both platforms at The Muslim Boxer. Uh, this was a really fun conversation. We talked about Mohsen's uh, journey growing up, how he you know, became a, a boxer late in life, um, his social media, uh, his identity as a Muslim. And it was a really fun conversation. He actually uh, dialed in from the gym. So you're going to hear some uh, you know, ambient noises uh, from the gym, people doing pad work and things like that. So it was a real fun conversation. And uh, yeah, here it is. Hey, Mustin. Uh, really appreciate you joining. Really excited to talk to you. Um, so for those that don't know, Mustin is uh, Hasim Rahman, former heavyweight champion's brother. Um, so very cool. I know that you're from Baltimore. Uh, I want to talk to you a lot about boxing before we get into boxing. Take us back to that, uh, what, your upbringing, what it was like to grow up in Baltimore. So, um, I appreciate y'all having me. Um, you know, sorry, one second. Uh, it's always an honor, um, you know, to have my Muslim brothers, you know, ask me to be on their uh, podcast. So, um, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, growing up, my brother was probably the only one in the sport. I really didn't care about boxing. Uh, for a very long time. I actually got into boxing as like a, a getaway before I really actually fell in love with the sport. Um, it was just my brother's sport at the time. Um, but growing up in Baltimore, you know, um, I went to a lot of Muslim schools, Islamic schools, private schools, um, a lot of religious schools. I became Hafid at uh, 15 and a half. And um, my major was architectural engineering. Um, until I dropped out of school and said, you know what, let me use boxing as an excuse to move to Vegas. So, you know, after that, um, you know, that was it. But uh, yeah, growing up, um, I grew up, I have 16 brothers and sisters. So I grew up with a very so big family. You said 16, one, one six? One six. Wow. An American? <laughs> the, oldest, the oldest brother is 49. The youngest brother is nine. My father's been having kids for like 40 years. You're so, an Arab, man. That's You're prolific. <laughs> right? You you would think my father was from some different country, but nice. Straight from Baltimore, you know, um, just really in, you know, kind of emerged himself into the Muslim culture and the Arab culture. <laughs> and, and just, you know, had a lot of babies, had a lot of wives you know respect um <laughs> um very cool uh I, th I think Khaled and i can relate we're both arabs so we're, we've seen uh 
some very large age discrepancies, um, including uh, with, with you and your brother. You're, you're a fighting family now. You fight, your nephew fights, um, you know, your brother used to fight. What was it like growing up with, with your brother being a, like a big time boxer? Man, it was, it was strange because um, we got treated like royalty um, a, lo a lot of times, especially when my brother first got, um, won the belt. Um, a lot of people knew who I was, you know, of course, from my brother, even though we have different last names, um, it was always known that that was my older brother. So um, we got treated with some respect, but for the most part, um, everybody knew uh, who my brother was and everybody kind of grew up with my brother, especially who I was growing up with. So it all had older, older siblings who grew up with my brother. So um, Alhamdulillah, it was, it was nice. It was, uh, it was very, um, I got to see a lot. I was very privileged to, to have him as my brother. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Um, so with, with that, that age gap being, you know, so, so big. I mean, how close are you? Were you around for those fights? With Lewis and Holyfield? Shoot. I, so I watched the fights, but he was really like an uncle to me until I got older uh, because he was so many. My nephew is older than me. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, that's my older brother, but I looked at him like another uncle, like, yeah, that's my father's son, but he's, he's old enough to be my dad. So um, until I became a man and, and, you know, started really living on my own and actually, you know, dealing with him as, as a, as for myself, um, that's when we got a little closer and, um, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, we, we, we built a relationship, but when I was younger, it was really me and his son that was like brothers and cousins more than it was him. Cause he was so much older. He's 20 years older than me. So definitely did, did sorry go ahead, go ahead. i was gonna say did, did watching him fight i mean i know you, you were kind of a late bloomer in boxing did it did it make you you know more resistant to the sport did you want to play do something else to be you know different than your brother and did you no, play any other sports growing up I, I don't think it was resistance i think i was too timid to box when i was younger i wasn't really like you know i i would fight if i had to i had a little anger problem when i was when i was younger but I didn't really, I never really thought and said, you know what, I want to be a boxer like my brother. You know, I wanted to try it out. My father had said no. He was like, listen, Muslim is going to finish the Quran. That's it. It's, it's Quran and nothing else. So uh, boxing was kind of like drilled out of my head for a long time. So it wasn't even a thought process to say, yeah, I want to box um, until I was living in Boston and you know, I just wanted to get out of Boston. So I used it as an excuse to get to Vegas. <laughs> so you were, you were resistant for, for all those years and you were, you were a late bloomer. I, I read that you were working as a bouncer and you knocked someone clean out and someone invited you to a boxing gym. Is like, is that the story? I need to know, like, you know, the resistance, there was a resistance growing up. Uh, but how much pushing did you really need? You knocked someone out and felt the power. What happened there? So I was, I'm, I'm, I'm working as a bouncer. A guy wants to fight. Um, I, we're trying to kick him out of the gym. I mean, kick him out of the, the club. And he doesn't want to leave. You know, he's very belligerent, very uh, intoxicated. And he just decides, you know what? I'm just going to swing on this guy. 
And when he swung, I kind of like dunked over and hit him to the body. But when I hit him to the body, I guess it was, it was really, really hard. He just crouched over and like, kind of like just, <sighs> so um, a coworker of mine was like, bro, you gotta, you gotta box. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta come to the gym. You hit hard. Did and you know that, that you related to uh, yes. your brother? Okay. So he knew yes, there was because some... he was a boxer. So okay, okay. I, the report got built when he said, yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm about to be a professional boxer. I was like, oh, my brother's a professional boxer. So okay, and so. Okay. so. So he knew uh, there was a bloodline there. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's <laughs> why he was more inclined to like tell me, bro, you got to come and box because sure. your brother's already in it. So I said no um, the first time. And then after that, that was I was like, you know what? Um, I wanted to get out of Boston. I said, you know what? I'm going to use that excuse. I'm going to use that as a as a weapon to say I want to box. So I went there. The crazy thing is my intentions was not to actually stay boxing. My intentions was to go to Vegas, go back to school, get a job, of course, move out, and then just go deal with my life. But, um, you know, God has, Allah has different plans for you. So when you made that that transition, I mean, what, what was it like at first? Did you grow up sparring? Did you have a kind of a familiarity with boxing already, what was the adjustment period to uh, adapting to the life of a, of a boxer? Everything, literally everything. The only discipline I had was memorizing Quran. The only discipline I would say, you know, I played sports for a long time. Uh, I played basketball, I played football. Um, I was more, you know, I was just an athletic kid. So I always liked um, sports. Uh, but for the most part, it was more, so my discipline for Quran that gave me the discipline for boxing. So I will say, um, I don't know. I didn't grow up sparring. I grew up like, yeah, fighting in the neighborhood, you know, kind of putting some headgear on and, and getting, you know, uh, beat up from some of my friends. But for the most part, I wasn't like a, um, I don't know. We, we, we didn't think about boxing when we were young. It was just a bunch of sports. A bunch of sports. So I knew the discipline of working out. And also, I will say, I loved working out. So I was a personal trainer. I, I always forget about that. I was a personal trainer. I did like working out. So I was always in the gym. It wasn't really a, a hard transition uh, to get to that. It was just, okay, I got to learn how to box more than work out. I knew how to work out. I just didn't know how to fight. <laughs> um. So then, I mean, so when you decided like, okay, I'm going to get into boxing, uh, how did you, where, how did you start? Was there someone that you tried to emulate? Did you watch uh, Hasim Rahman tape? Like, what did you do? Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones. All right. I watched, I watched his, his highlight tape, uh, can't be touched like, (laughs) like 30 times. And I tried to emulate him. I tried to like, you know, basically like use my right hand as a as a jab and as a and as a right hand a super right hand you know be real awkward in the ring and um uh that's actually how it helped me become um kind of uh i was orthodox and southpaw at the same time i can i can switch so that actually helped me but for the most part i don't know i wasn't watching my brother hasim because i was like i'm not that big so i was like i can't do what he does He's humongous. I can't do what he does. So I was like, man, I got to emulate somebody faster. 
that's that's a great that's one of my as a boxing fan one of my favorite traits miguel cotto is one of my favorite fighters he does the same thing his he fights uh uh orthodox um yeah it's great that's awesome um mm -hmm. so i guess i i was uh i guess what have you learned about yourself from your fights i I was I was watching your fight against Montrez Brown and you're smiling a lot. Uh, usually, you know, you see guys maybe shake their head to say like, "Nope, that didn't hurt." Like, what's going on there? <laughs> My hand was broken. Oh okay. no! I was talking okay. to myself. I was talking to myself, saying, "Bro, you might you might lose this fight because your hand is broken." What, and I was what round did that myself, happen? The first round. Oh wow. Okay. So I was, I'm looking at myself and I'm like, dang, like, I'm like, bro, you about to lose your first fight, you know, with a guy who's eight and one. And then on top of that, you're about to, um, your hand is broken. So I was like, man. And when I was laughing, I said, I'm going to just break this hand. I'm just really break this hand. I said, whatever. I said, if, 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 if I lose a hand after this, whatever. So I started laughing about it. I don't know. My, my head's everywhere in the ring. I just was, you know, it's fun. You yeah, know, I, I don't really take take it as oh, you know, I'm about to, you know, go to war. I do that at I do that before, but I'm, when I get in the ring, I don't know. It's it's like it's fun. So I'm smiling. I'm talking to myself. I'm telling myself what I got to do in order to win. So yeah, uh, I would say the thing that I've gotten from me is. Um, uh, I know how to work hard and, um, you know, um, I can take some pain. <laughs> I can, I can really take some pain. Um, but that has helped me in, in my, in my worldly, you know, activities, uh, in my life as a father, um, as a husband, uh, and, you know, as a son, as a, as a brother, everything, as a family member to a lot of people, um, it has helped me know, um, how much I can endure, you know, so gave me a lot of patience. Yeah, fighting provides that discipline, right? Like, uh, if if they didn't teach everyone that fought discipline, every time someone cut you off in traffic, you would follow them and, and take their wallet. Um, so that <laughs> I think everyone appreciates that. Uh, so with th that's what I was curious with Montrez Brown because um, I was like, Muxin looks like he thrives in violence. This is a menace. This is what I think is is happening here. He's He's very excited to fight, but it seems there's more to it than that, which is, uh, which is good. Well, the thing is, now I do enjoy fighting. I enjoy, I enjoy the, uh, the strategic moves of boxing. I believe boxing is like a aggressive game of chess, and so, and it keeps you honest. When I tell you, it keeps. It's a truth serum. The ring is a truth serum. You can lie and say, "Oh, I'm in shape." I. I you can even look in shape. But the ring will tell if you've really been working on what you say you've been working on. And so it's just such a, a true serum. You know, I, I love it. So I think that's why I enjoy it so much. So you talk about what you enjoy so much. What what do you not enjoy so much? What's probably your, your least favorite thing about, you know, being a pro boxer and doing this for, for a living? Running. <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is. I don't like running. I rather you don't do the Rocky montage or the Creed montage running down yeah, the streets I of Philly do. with the the biker boys. You know, boys I don't that. enjoy it, but I run. 
my wife will tell you, I do not like running. I don't know what it is. I just don't like running. I, I, I'll enjoy um, swimming. I'll enjoy, um, you know, a bike ride. But running, it's just boring to me. But I run. I, I, I run every day to make sure that, you know, my cardio is in tip-top shape. But do I like it? No. I dread it every time I go run. I appreciate the honesty because yeah, yeah, I, I can I can see why with all the other stuff that you do, why this would be the, the most kind of monotonous part of your, your routine. So boring. So. What point in the fight do you realize what kind of fight it's going to be? Breaking your hand, obviously, you're like, okay, this is going to be painful. And I saw you exchanging. So it was surprising to see that you decided to break your hand because the way you were swinging suggested that, yes, that my hand's fine. But oh, I, well, I, I always, my, uh, Eddie Mustafa had told me one time, he said, he said he was in an interview and he said, and the commentator said, or the interviewer said, what is the point of boxing? And he said, to render a man unconscious as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kept that in my head, like, I don't want to be in this ring for very long. You know what I mean? Like, I really don't want to take as many punches as possible. You know, unfortunately, God rest his soul, may Allah bless him, but Muhammad Ali took a lot of punches. I'm not trying to take a lot of punches. I'm trying to talk like this for the rest of my life. And so with that, with this sport, I got to hurt this dude as fast as possible. And so when it comes to um, figuring out the guy and, and, and really calculating, it takes me the first round. I'll literally get, you know, I'm a little, I'm a lot slower in the first round. Like I'll just jab, you know, I'll figure him out. I'll see what his tweaks are, what his moves are, you know, how he faints, how he gets to, and then I'll turn it up at the second round. But for the most part, yeah, I think usually people beat me the first round in points because I'm, I'm slow, slow, you know, trying to pick him up. I'm like, okay, I figured you out. Um, if you're good enough, I might figure you out, you know, in the second round, but for the most part, most of my opponents, um, I figured out in the first round, I figured out how to beat him, you know, by the first round, first, second round. At one point, do you realize when you hit somebody, oh, okay, this is either going to be a long, a long fight because they took that like a Scooby snack or, oh, that hurt him. I could put him out. The first time I throw my right hand. If I throw my right hand um, I and I throw him to the face and he just walks it off, I'm like, it's going to be a long night. But... <laughs> It's going to be a really long night, but I don't know. Um, I've learned that uh, I'm not looking to to beat the person's body. I'm looking to beat the person's mind. And so I want to take their confidence away faster than I take their body away. Because when, when if a guy knows that no matter what I do, this dude is not phased, is, he's not hurt, he's still coming that's when you say, okay, I've broken this man down. I can get him out of here. Regardless of, there are people who have never been hurt. And, you know, when you, when you get cracked and you really take, a, take somebody's mental away, they don't know what to do, so they break down. So. I was going to ask you if, you if you believe that you can be knocked out, uh, but I saw an interview where you talked about sparring with, with Boots Ennis and um, Usually, you know, fighters, athletes in general, like you were, you admitted that, you know, he, he had dropped you in sparring and you just don't see athletes being that transparent. I think LeBron James has had a video of a college kid dunking on him 
confiscated by the cabal. It's been eradicated from the internet. You can't find that video of LeBron being dunked on. So that, that kind of honesty is really refreshing to say, hey, look, I sparred with X person and they stopped me. Like, this guy's a problem. Why were you so comfortable with sharing that? The truth is, the, is you got to be, first of all, I'm Muslim first, right? And if I can't just be honest, then what is the point? We put on this facade to tell people, oh, I'm just invincible. And then when you get beat, they're like, this is why people get to the point where they, they lose faith in you when they realize that you're beatable because they, they, they finally realize that you're human. I'm a human person. I make mistakes. I fall. I can bleed. I bleed just like you. I bleed just like everybody else. And so, um, you know, uh, even the Prophet Sallallahu he was, he could have called on Allah. He could have called on jinns. He could have called on anybody, but he's still human. He got hit with rocks. He got, you know, poked with thorns. You know, you're human. We're human. Things will happen. When I get in the ring, I'm still undefeated. I'm 10 and 0. So, yeah, if I get hurt and spawn, I get hurt and spawn. That's the happen. There, I have, uh, there, I've knocked out world champions. I've literally put down world champions. I won't say it, but I've put down world champions. Who cares? It doesn't mean anything. He's still a world champion. I'm still working. If I never get a belt, my only highlight would just be I knocked out a world champion. That's it. So it really doesn't matter. I think, you know, people have to humble themselves when it comes to uh, feeling like, you know, yes, we're in a gladiator sport. Yes, uh, I have fans and people like that, but I'm no better than anybody else. And I feel like, you know, uh, telling people that I'm human and showing people that, you know, I can make mistakes and I can I'll fall and I'm not invincible is shows that, you know, anybody can do it. It doesn't put you in a I don't like to be put in a different category of other people. I'd rather be just like everybody else. Like, don't treat me like a king. Treat me like, you know, regular people. That's really refreshing honesty. Um, and I think that comes from how you were raised, like you said, your, your dean, your Nia. Um, you, you, you sparred with some really great fighters, with Boots, Caleb Plant, Sergey Kovalev. How do those sessions come together? And you know, when you're going into them, what are you looking to achieve? I'm looking to learn. I know these guys are better than me. I know these guys have way better skills than me. I know these guys can really beat me up. Uh, I'm here for a reason. I'm, you know, they call me because I've made it to a point where, yeah, I'm good enough for them to spar, but I'm still coming to learn. I'm learning, I'm coming to grasp um things that I've never even thought of. And they all have taught me something. And when I get into a ring, you know, in the pro circuit, when I get into my pro fights, I literally say, this guy fights like this. He's not better than him. So I'm about to crush him. <laughs> That's really how I think, you know, uh, my opponents, oh, this guy fights like this guy. Okay, time to go in like this. Okay, I know how to figure you out because I've literally tried to master how to beat boots, how to beat uh, Caleb Plant, how to beat all these people. I might not ever beat him, even in sparring, but in my mind, I figured out how to beat them or I figured out how to do it. So if I figured out how to do it with them, then I'm going to try it on, on my on my opponents. They're definitely not there at, on boots level. So, you know. And how willing are these, you know, these big name dudes to to share some of their, the secret sauce with you? I mean, I know boxing and most combat sports is like, 
fraternity kind of a brotherhood so yeah how how open and willing are they to share with you no all of all of them um uh one thing i will say um every opponent i'm sorry every sparring partner from uh caleb plant boots um david benavidez all of them have shared badu jack uh my brother um they've all shared you know what i do wrong what can i work on uh how they got me and how i got them um, what I do right in the ring, what I do wrong in the ring, they've always, they, they've never hesitated to tell me, Hey, you got to work on this. You got to work on this. But I think it's because I don't come trying to say that I'm better than them. I think it's because I really, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm human and I have to be, we have to represent, uh, Islam the correct way. So I have to come into every, um, spot as a humble person. And just because I know something doesn't mean somebody doesn't know anything better. Yeah, I'm sure they they really respect that for sure. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite sparring partner? <sighs> Boots. Even though he beats me up, uh, I learned so much from him. He whoops my excuse my language, y'all. He whoops my ass, and I don't know. I, it, it's it's enjoyable because I learned so much from him. Um, my defense gets better. My my punch selection gets better. Um, I feel what he punches me with, and I learn from it. And I say, okay, I'll use that in my fight. And over time, I've slipped some of Boots' punches. And I'm like, if I can slip Boots' punches, if I can slip one out of the 100 that he's thrown at me, if I can slip one or two, I can slip a 1,000 of my opponent's punches. And they just – and it gives me the confidence to go into a ring as comfortable as possible. And that's why, you know, you hear me smiling or you you see me smiling and you see me being very comfortable in the ring. Is there anyone like Boots Ennis? You have probably 50 pounds on him and he gets, hits that hard. Is there anyone like that guy? No, there's nobody like Boots. Boots is, is a different breed when it comes to boxing. That guy is different. Um, You know, there's, Muhammad Ali, there's Roy Jones, there's Floyd Mayweather, there's Sugar Ray Leonard. You know, they all are, are like of their time. They are that general, that that person to that generation. I think Boots is that person to his generation of boxing. Yeah, no one wants to fight him. It's incredible. Nobody. He's a, I, and I understand why the kid has power. The kid has, you know, um, he's likable. He. I mean, he's he got he got the whole package, so got to give it to him. Who do you least look forward to sparring with, or your least your least favorite sparring partner? Ah, no, boots. It's 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 so weird. It's it's like nobody wants to get who wants to get punched in the face that hard, and. You know, it's it's weird. It's like it's like a a, a catch twenty two. It's like you don't want to get beat up that bad, but you do want to get beat up because you want to learn, and that's the whole thing about boxing. You want to learn. So, yeah, Boots is a person that I really, I don't. I'm not looking forward to boxing him, but I am looking forward to boxing him. So, that's fair. That's poetic. Um, it- so you you've been tra- you trained in, in Philly, which is like a factory for boxers, Bernard Hopkins, Joe Frazier, Roy Jones. You're from Baltimore. 
you've been fighting in Baltimore too on 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 cards. I, I'm wondering. I we saw Josh Taylor in February go to Scotland and struggle, to put it lightly, for trying to get the knockout in front of his home crowd. Almost lost his undisputed title. Looked like the pressure of fighting at home got to him. You're fighting at home a lot. How, what do you feel pressure fighting in Baltimore? What is that like fighting at home? The first time I fought in Baltimore, I felt all of that pressure. The same thing Josh Taylor felt, and I lost in front of uh, my home. The first time I ever fought in front of my people, I lost, and I almost cried. My mother-in-law walked up to me and gave me a big hug. Matter of fact, I'm sorry, not even my mother-in-law. My sister's mother-in-law walked up to me and gave me a really big hug. And uh, I don't know. After that, I think that was about the biggest embarrassment I felt. And so I always walk into a ring saying, if Allah's going to will me to lose, then Allah's going to will me to lose. So there's no point of worrying about this. Did you feel like quitting? You said, say it again? Did you feel like stepping away from boxing? Like I lost, this isn't for me? I was depressed for like six months after that loss. That was my first loss ever. I was eight, I was eight and zero. Oh. As an amateur, I had won two Golden Gloves, state Golden Gloves, regional Golden Gloves. I was—I thought I was on top of the world, and you know, people are seeing me. I'm, I'm, I'm putting out highlight tapes of me and sparring. But I think that's when Allah says, "You know what? Let me go ahead and humble you," because the same way uh, his horse lost in that race when he was racing the Sahabas, is—it's like you know, it's—it's it's only up to Allah in order for you to maintain what you are maintained. The same way, uh, Muhammad Ali, I am the greatest. That backfired, you know, because Allah said, you know what? I put you on top, but now I got to I gotta put you down. I got to humble you. And, you know, may Allah rest his soul, may Allah bless his people. But, yeah, I think that was, you know, for Allah to tell me, um, humble yourself. You ain't the man. You can, you can pray, you know, you, I, I can pray and make dua that Allah gives me the strength, but for the most part, I'm not gonna go in there and be like, yeah, you know, I'm 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 the man. I punch hard. I'm ten to no. You know, I feel like thinking like that will only set you up for failure because Allah will show you that He can take everything away from you. So I think we've uh, seen that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. with fighters, they they get a little too. Too much so many, dip on their so chest, many, you know, but there's so many examples and not even in fighting yeah. and everything, mm -hmm. literally everything um, from even Michael Jordan losing his dad, you know, on top of the, he was on top of the world, he lost his father. You know, those things are, you know, if you don't learn, you will always get the same lesson. And I feel like, you know, um, hopefully, I pray that Allah, you know, give me that lesson. I hope that was my lesson. I could be bullcrapping right now and be like, you know, Allah got a bigger test for me. But for the most part, I hope that was my lesson. <laughs> I hope I learned that, you know, um, I'm nobody without Allah, without God. So uh, there's no real pressure uh, fighting in Baltimore. I love fighting in Baltimore because uh, Baltimore is my home. I can feel the love. Uh, I can feel the prayers uh, that go out when, I, when I'm fighting. Um, you know, it's so good to see my mom, my aunts, and, you know, so many other people in the crowd. So I love it.
Yeah, inshallah. You continue to thrive. I mean, uh, guys, sorry, my phone's at ten percent, so I just I was just gonna let you give you guys a heads up. Sorry. Sure, sure. No, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll try and be efficient. Uh, I I can't help but, but ask this. I saw someone say Bismillah before hitting a volleyball once. Have you ever said Bismillah before punching somebody? I don't say Bismillah before punching somebody. I say La Hawla wa La illa Billah, and I say Bismillah. Um, if you notice, I always pray before my fight. So I, I did a, I did a video of me joking around, like actually praying. But I, I always pray to Allah, and, you know, ask Him that to give me uh, strength and give me uh, victory uh, before I fight. I doubted I say Bismillah. My last fight, I said Bismillah every round because I was like, I'm losing this one. I, I was like, I said Bismillah, he got to kill me <laughs> for me to lose. But for the most part, no, I say Bismillah, La wa La Billah, before uh, before the fight, and then it's you know Bismillah. The minute the bells ring, Bismillah, and that's it. And I say you know Allahu Akbar or Takbir um, after the fight, after I win. And just to translate for the non-Muslim folks listening, Bismillah means in the name of Allah, and La Hawla means like there's no uh, no victory or strength without without a loss so kind of and it is the first sentence in the holy book in our holy book so so i know you're a little short on time so i wanted to transition a little bit from from the boxing and talk about some of the, the stuff you're doing on social if you guys ha- haven't followed mustin already on you know tiktok and instagram he's killing it there with the skits um uh, you know, what sparked that idea? What made you decide, you know, I'm not just going to be a boxer, I'm going to be, you know, a, a comedian kind of on on, uh, on social? KSI. KSI. Okay. Is no, I watched KSI get a million dollars for his pro debut. I made $500 for my pro debut. <laughs> I said, ain't no way. I was like, ain't no way. There's no way. I said, I said, I got to do what he does. And so I had 1,200, I, I think I had less than that. I think I had 900 followers. When I was sparring KSI, uh, he had shared his thing, and I got, I got, I think I went up to four thousand, and I was like, "Oh, it's on!" I was like, "I got it! I have to be like these guys." Um, so you know, alhamdulillah, shout out to my manager Amr Abdullah, but uh, he kept calling me for camps, and I just kept asking. I would ask KSI, I asked Jake Paul, I asked and Nissan Gibb, I asked Faze, uh, you know, Fazon, I forget what his name is, but Faze something sensei phase um but i'm like i gotta learn from you guys what are you guys doing how are you guys getting it what did you guys do in order to get here and i took everything (laughs) what's the algorithm basically i took everything that they told me and i said you know i'm gonna go with it and i'm gonna make it and i also said you know what they already have jake paul has one market ksi has another market anison give has one market i'm like what can i do be how can i be different so I was like, I'm gonna be different by being myself. I'm gonna just make jokes about my life, my Muslim Islamic life. It'll keep me honest about who I am, but also, you know, it'll make light of, of the nonsense that goes on in the world and the stereotypes that happen, you know, amongst ourselves and amongst the world about Muslims. So that's how it went. I think I mean and that that's what I enjoy about it is that it's it's so relatable all the jokes you make about you know the the different talks that that imams give and things just all that stuff is just 
it's relatable because it's such a, a universal kind of American Muslim experience mm-hmm. that, that a lot of us are having. Um, and I mean, like you said, you're tra- staying true to yourself. You're un- unapologetically Muslim and pro-Palestinian on your platforms. I see you fight with you know Palestine on your shorts. When did that identity become so ingrained in you? Is it something just that was just you coming up? That's how you grew up? Or is that more of a conscious choice to be like, I'm going to put this on social. I'm going to put, you know, my faith and my political beliefs and stuff on social with an end goal. I think because I steered away from being Muslims for a long time. I think, you know, when I was like in the dunya and for anybody who doesn't know what dunya means, it's like, you know, outside of Islam, you know, like the actual world, you know, in the streets. Uh, being in being in part in the, in these streets, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, being a you know clubbing and all that other stuff. I wasn't Muslim. I was Mo, you know, and you know I didn't drink because I was Muslim. I drank I, or how I didn't eat pork because I was Muslim. I didn't eat pork because I was healthy. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was like kind of running away from Islam, and I think what made me just say, you know what, forget this. I'm not gonna. I'm going to stop trying to please people. I think I was a, I will say, not, I don't think I was a people pleaser and I was just trying to please everybody. And I was, I'm just tired of pleasing people. And for that, I've just became unapologetically Muslim. Like I'm not going to excuse, you know, myself for other people's uncomfortable random thoughts about me. Nah, you either going to like me or, or not going to like me. And, um, I think that's where I gained the strength to be like, you know what? I'm the Muslim boxer. The Muslim boxer. Yeah, that's who you are. You're going to own it. Yeah. But I think it came from me, you know, being in the dunya and me running away from my Islam, you know, not trying to, trying to fit in. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'm Muslim, but yeah, go ahead. I, you know, you can drink, you can can smoke, you can, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm the cool Muslim. And I just, you know, as I got older and, you know, shout out to my wife. My wife really helped me out with that. My wife, Miriam, you know, she really, she was getting on my nerves because she was like, why are you such a people pleaser? You know, blah, 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 blah. I, I didn't really know what I meant. I know what that meant until I got older. And, um, you know, my daughter actually helped me too. I don't want my daughter to be a people pleaser. I want my daughter to be unapologetically Muslim because on the day of Yom Kiyama, on the day of judgment, I got an answer for that. So... I need my daughter to know that, you know, my father was Muslim regardless. So I think no, that's, that's, that's refreshing too. I mean, that's it, in this, this day and age, being yourself is almost kind of a radical, radical <laughs> thing. You, to do. you, you have see, to, you know, yeah. But be, a lot of these I, people I think, faking the funk and you're, you're not. Yeah, so we exactly. appreciate that. No, I'm, 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 I'm truly Muslim. Uh, who you see online is who you see in my, I'm who you going to see in my house. So, you know, this is not, you know, oh, Muslims like this online. Nah, I'm always me. And most of my friends and uh, you've met me, you know, we, we, I have, I'm, I have. I'm the same person in person. I literally, I joke around, I make jokes randomly. I'm the same person, you know, I'm the like, and, um, but boxing, uh, being married to my wife, you know, those things have really helped me out because before I was anybody you needed me to be, you know. Cool. So, so I think b- before we wrap, Emma always needs to ask some food questions of our of our guests. So go for it. I'm I'm the foodie. So when Mohsen Kaysen is hungry, where's he going? Ooh. 
Pimas. So I like this. I like I like lamb chops. I like steaks. Um, I like chi- this Chinese food. Um, fried chicken. I know it's super, super stereotypical. Both of y'all close your eyes when I say fried chicken. Now I'm just joking. Where, where's your go-to <laughs> spot in Philly? Because it was it's kind of tough to find some good ones it's, out there. It's, it's tough because it's a hit or miss. Um, my my go-to spot for Asian food is is Asian Family Number One. Um, for steaks, um, I go to the steakhouse called Chima's. It's really good. You know Chima's. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I love Chima's. Uh, Fogo de Chao. Um, and, um, you know, uh, but I like to cook a lot. So me and my wife will cook. My wife makes butter chicken, biryani. Uh, I make uh, chicken alfredo. Um, I made lamb chops, lollipop lamb chops. So I guess. And then, you know, I know you're going to ask what my go-to dessert is. It's ice cream and, and, and a warm chocolate chip cookie or a warm apple pie. Oh, yeah. I might look I might look in shape, but I'm fat. <laughs> a fat kid at heart is the, is the best kind of heart. Huh? <laughs> a fat kid at heart is the best kind of heart. You feel me? Yeah. Um, well, I, I don't want to take up. Too much more of your time we, we really appreciate all of your thoughtful answers sharing your story your insights it was really a pleasure you know congratulations on all of your success and inshallah further success you got a belt coming what's coming up for you uh hopefully this fight will be for uh, a small belt it's nothing serious uh i don't think i get ranked for anything for it but it's a nice little you know nice little colorful belt that i can get uh that can you know let lulu have once i really get a real belt inshallah uh but i'm fighting for like a usbu title um and you know shout out to uh my brother shabazz i'm on his car um he's a older brother of, of mine and you know he's helped me out in my career so much um i can't be more thankful for him so you know he's the one who's put me on most all of his baltimore cards so okay, and that's coming up September 24th. That's in, coming up in Baltimore, so right? If you guys, if you guys want to fly out, come on. I'd love that. Let's do it. Inshallah. And my come birthday out, come is out coming to up. Sack. Yeah, and my birthday, my birthday, my birthday will be coming up four days later. So we're going to celebrate that 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 weekend anyway. So come on out. We'll enjoy ourselves. Inshallah, you celebrate it with a win. Me. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for your time. All right, guys. I like it. All right, take All right. Once again, thank you. Shout out to uh, Mohsen Kaysen, his manager, uh, Amr Abdullah, for uh, allowing him to, to join us and, and linking up uh, with us uh, on the 4040 Vision podcast. Again, you can find us uh, on all social platforms at 4040 Vision Pod. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, et cetera. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Pods, anywhere you can find podcasts. And you can follow uh, Mohsen's journey as a boxer and then watch uh, crack up at, at all the, the skits that he does at the muslim boxer on instagram and tiktok thanks y'all appreciate it Hip-hop.